a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Zhang Junfeng. The headlines we are tracking at this hour. State visit. Sierra Leone President Julius Mardabio has arrived in Beijing, marking the beginning of his five-day state visit to China. Regional Progress Chinese authorities have presented a comprehensive summary of the coordinated development achieved in the Beijing-Tianjin global region over the past decade. And Tech Showcase. Barcelona is hosting the 2024 World Mobile Congress, bringing together 88,000 participants from around the world to showcase the latest innovations in the mobile world. Sierra Leone's President Julius Maadabayo has arrived in Beijing, starting a five-day stay visit to China after invitation from the Chinese President Xi Jinping. Our reporter Yu Yang has more. President of the Republic of Sierra Leone, Julius Maadabayo, has arrived in Beijing at the invitation of Chinese President Xi Jinping. President Bill is paying a state visit to China from February 27th to March the 2nd. This visit marks President Bill's second official trip to China following his initial state visit in August 2018, shortly after assuming office. During that visit, he also attended the Beijing Summit of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation. In May 2021, Chinese President Xi Jinping had a telephone conversation with him on the 50th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between China and Sierra Leone. The Chinese Foreign Ministry said during President Bill's visit, President Xi will host a welcome ceremony and a banquet for him, and the two presidents will hold discussions. Chinese Premier Li Qiang and the Chairman of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Zhao Leji, will meet President Bill respectively. At the same time, the Chinese Foreign Ministry also noted that China and Sierra Leone share a long-standing friendship, have firmly supported each other on issues concerning each other's core interests, carry out efficient cooperation in areas related to economic and social development, at the same time and maintain the close coordination on international affairs. In particular, the people of the two countries have forced Ebola and COVID together, which further strengthened each bond. Meanwhile, in his congratulatory message to the 37th African Union Summit held this February, Chinese President Xi Jinping said the new session of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation is going to be held this year. He added that he stands ready to work with the leaders of African countries with a focus on the benefits for people on both sides, draw up a new blueprint for China-Africa cooperation and promote the joint building of a China-Africa community with a shared future. Liu Yang, CJTN. Beijing. China and Sierra Leone have forged a strong economic and trade cooperation since the establishing diplomatic ties. As the largest trade partner of Sierra Leone, China has made significant investments in key sectors such as health, agriculture and infrastructure. Bilateral trade between the two countries reached uh, 164 million US dollars in 2023, marking a 24% increase over the previous year. The total trade volume in 2023 amounted to $1.6 billion, and China primarily exports mechanical and electronic products to Sierra Leone, while coffee and mineral products are among the major imports. 
Over the past five decades, China has provided assistance to Sierra Leone in various areas, including infrastructure, agriculture, health care and training. For more discussion on the economic ties between the two countries, I would like to invite our guest, Mr. Liu Zhiqing, senior fellow at Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies from Yunmin University of China. Thanks for joining us. How have bilateral economic ties developed between China and Sierra Leone? We see in the past 50 years, we see the economic ties with the two countries are becoming more closely. But we see that China and Sierra Leone are both quite a different economic situation. China is the largest developing country, and Sierra Leone is the smallest developing country, but both are developing uh, country group. So in this way that uh, we are facing uh, similar challenges and uncertainties of the world. So in the past years we found that uh, the economic ties with uh, China from both sides are getting closely and uh, much better improved in the past uh, two years. We're seeing agriculture, infrastructure, and healthcare, and also in miners on the uh, exploration and other areas that, uh, especially when the Sierra Leone, the people are suffering from the Ebola virus, that China has immediately sent the first aid to the country and helped the people to get rid of the sufferings from the virus. So that's why the WHO has also highly appreciated the China's efforts in doing such assistance. So in all fields that are related to the people's life improvement. I think that both sides have already made more great efforts and made great improvement in the past years. I believe that since this visit, this economic ties and the relations were becoming more closer, more fruitful and more effective. And we both sides can set another good, excellent example to the world that how cooperative with uh, two countries, a bigger developing country and a small developing country, how to coordinate with each other, how to co uh, cooperate with each other. Besides, we have different culture background, but still we are very interested to have closely cooperation in high tech and also science and the technological, especially in the green development for both sides. Mm. How does Sierra Leone's economy benefit uh, from its country's ties with China and what are the opportunities for future cooperation between the two countries? Besides what we have already mentioned, for instance, the infrastructure uh, sections and also medical care and also agriculture, because we know the agriculture industry in Sierra Leone uh, occupied uh, almost 60% of the total GDP, and we also see that in the past years, the total GDP of Sierra Leone is only four billion U.S. dollar. So this is a, a quite a, a good space and room that to be improved. So China can do a lot and provide more assistance and give more opportunity from both sides. From actually, first line is the agriculture product because China is also have to develop with China's modernization. Mm. So China's modernization, including this, the rural uh, re revitalization, this is a good chance for Sierra Leone to develop its uh, uh, agriculture section. This is very important. We know that 
we have already seen many good products from this age, from this region, from tea, coffee, and other uh, products. And also, we have more uh, opportunities to have the deep production of the agricultural products to, in order to get uh, some high quality green supply. This is a one point. The secondly, also from the infrastructure, as we know, the transportation for the mines and also industrial products output for the Sierra Leone to outside is quite difficult. Still need more efforts and more investment in this area. So in this case, that I think we have to do something more that have more financial support, give more financial uh, related construction project in the country. And the third, I think it's quite important that for the uh, people's life in Sierra Leone, for instance, they have medical care. But Ebola right. virus is already gone, but we need to prevent more problems in such cases in order to get a better high quality of the health and the life of the people there. Thank you so much for your insights. That's Mr. Liu Zhiqing from Renmin University of China. Now, global pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca announced Monday that its fifth global strategy center is being set up in Shanghai and it will continue to invest and work closely with Chinese partners. Sudetians Wule sat down with AstraZeneca CEO Pasco Cereal to discuss the company's long-term growth plans in China. China is very important to us. Um, it, the innovation in China has been exploding in the last uh, two, three, four, five years. And there's a lot of important new technologies, new products that are in invented and uh, developed in China. And so we have decided that uh, Shanghai will be our fifth strategic hub from an R&D perspective, uh, so that we can give the leadership of some of our products and, uh, and projects to our team here in Shanghai to develop those products, not only for China, but for the entire world. So certainly we will continue to invest and grow and that's where China can clearly contribute to the development of biopharmaceuticals globally. And with the aging population, more and more attention is being paid to the new medicine, new treatment and technologies such as artificial intelligence. So what do you see as opportunities and challenges with this regard in the Chinese market? There are many uh, unmet medical needs in China, of course, but also China can contribute to innovation globally by coming up with new products, new technologies. In that regard, artificial intelligence is playing a big role. And I think China, again, can play a leadership role globally because artificial intelligence relies on data. You have to have data. And there are, of course, millions of patients in China, good clinical um, uh, trials. And we can collect all this data and use it uh, to come up with new medicines new treatment, but also to treat patients better through the use of artificial intelligence. And as a global pharmaceutical giant, how closely will we work with uh, Chinese partners to help them go global? Well, uh, we truly believe that uh, China has a huge role to play globally in terms of innovation in life sciences and biopharmaceuticals. The regulatory process has changed in China and has enabled, enabled acceleration of clinical work. Um, and there has been a lot of investments in research, of course, a lot of good academic uh, uh, work that has translated into startup biotechs that are moving now into clinical development. And we want to contribute to this. So in the last uh, couple of years, we have signed 
seven agreements with uh, Chinese companies to help them develop and commercialize their products globally. But we also, through our uh, common investments with CSCC, we've invested in 20 uh, small startups, uh, biotech companies that are innovating and coming up with new products. Coming up next. Regional progress. Chinese authorities have presented a comprehensive summary of the coordinated development achieved in the Beijing, Tianjin, Hebei region over the past decade. Strengthening the foundation for a future powered by innovation, where high technology, high efficiency, and high quality converge. These three pillars are set to propel China's new productive forces and supercharge the Chinese economy into a new era of development. New industries, new models, and new growth momentum. Join CGTN as we guide you through the new productive forces poised to redefine the Chinese economy. In early 2014, China initiated a key strategy to coordinate the development of Beijing, Tianjin and Hebei, a regional city cluster called Jingjingji, to create a model with better economic structure, cleaner environment and improved public services. Over the 10 years, coordination in the Jingjingji region has deepened with remarkable results. Bing Ran has more. Over the past 10 years, Beijing, Tianjin and Hebei have accomplished multiple improvements under the integration strategy known as Jinjinji Coordinated Development. The plan seeks regional balanced development, reduction in pollution levels, and a promotion of economic growth and innovation. Coordinated development is the key to this strategy. In the past 10 years, prominent outcomes were achieved. Coordination of transportation, environment control, and industry are the three big topics under this strategy. One prominent part of the strategy has been to move non-capital functions out of Beijing to treat the various urban ills in the Chinese capital, such as traffic congestion and pollution. From 2014 to last year, the target of reducing the population by 15% in Beijing was achieved. The total amount of land used for urban and rural construction also decreased by 130 square kilometers. The functions of the capital continued to be optimized and enhanced. The Xiong'an New Area, as a special economic zone aiming to ease the pressure on Beijing, is the focal point of the Jinjinji strategy. The Xiong'an New Area has entered the phase of large-scale construction and is focusing on taking over non-capital functions from Beijing as part of its development efforts. Currently, the city's framework is beginning to take shape with the backbone road network fully completed and water quality improved to class 3. Meanwhile, Tianjin has seen more Beijing-based companies pouring investment in it as the implementation of the strategy gains momentum. The collaboration between Beijing and Tianjin has deepened. In the future, the two cities will be playing to their complementary advantages in innovation and manufacturing. Bi Ran, CGTN, Beijing.
Beijing, Tianjin, and Hebei province have integrated transportation, education, and medical services. The mileage of region's railways has more than doubled in the past decade, and the network now covers all prefecture-level cities. As of 2023, autumn semester, uh, over 200 middle schools, primary schools, and kindergartens in Beijing and Tianjin have built partnerships with those in Hebei provinces. And the region has also adopted a unified public medical insurance system that covers 115 million residents. Residents now can treat, get treat and apply for reimbursement at any hospital in the region using a single social security card. To better understand the 10-year development in the region, let's bring Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics at the University of International Business and Economics. Thanks for joining us, Professor Liu. What's the underlying reason for the cooperation between Beijing, Tianjin and Hebei? Well, the underlying rationale is very clear. Further regional integration can boost productivity through uh, mobility of uh, more of the economic factors, be it people, technology, and resources, uh, etc. So if you look at the uh, past four decades of uh, Chinese open door policy, there has been a number of differential policies that has been implemented uh, over different regions. And then over the last one decade, uh, there is a high need to have uh, uh, more of the uh, integration and coordination, uh, harmonizing um, many of those rules uh, that can play out. And this can really unleash the potential of comparative advantage of these uh, uh, three localities. So uh, right now we can see that uh, uh, over the years, uh, more of the uh, intra-regional investment has been on a surge and people are really moving around so that uh, they are able to uh, get the uh, better job opportunities and uh, more of the industries are, are getting streamlined where uh, Beijing is standing out more as the capital of the entire country and Tianjin is uh, standing out as the major manufacturing hub and also the shipping hub. And Hebei province is promoting more of those, uh, the uh, mid-term and uh, low-end uh, industries. Then the agricultural development is also on the rise. So therefore, uh, coordination, harmonization, and integration uh, are really producing a very much desired results. So, but of course, there is a lot more homework that uh, need to be further streamlined so that more of the comparative advantage can be unlocked. Okay, Professor Liu, our reporter just visited Xiong'an. The development of the Xiong'an city, it's a new city. It's being a focal point of this regional cooperation. Uh, when can we expect to see more tangible results? Well, I visited Xiong'an a number of times. I see that uh, uh, there has been a lot more of the work uh, uh, has been completed. Uh, in dealing with the level uh, leveling of the land and also dealing with migration and uh, also to uh, have the uh, very restrictive uh, zoning law uh, that is over there. So it is in uh, very good uh, preparation. And now uh, environmental considerations, social development and, and economic considerations are all factored into the master plan to help this uh, uh, city, which is considered to be the pro in the north, uh, in the uh, north China, and uh, there has been a lot more expectation from uh, 
um, uh, many institutions, particularly in Beijing, for example, universities and uh, the headquarters of state-owned firms, uh, are really uh, there to uh, build their plan as how they can really be shifted over there. So that helps uh, to alleviate the traffic in Beijing, but more importantly, that's there also to serve as really the hub to integrate Beijing, Tianjin, and Hebei province so that uh, productivity can be uh, further boosted. And then that's also creates a new miracle uh, so how a new city in the new era can be constructed with more of the uh, artificial intelligence, with more of integration between rural area and urban area, and also providing uh, more of the quality jobs for those farmers who are uh, leaving their land and joining the uh, urban life. Thank you so much for your insights in that. That's Professor Liu Baocheng from UIBE. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN. With more than 88,000 participants from at least 200 countries and regions, the 2024 World, uh, Mobile World Congress brings together the giants of the tech industry. Now, with exciting gadgets, releases and statements from big players, the future is on display in Barcelona. Correspondent Ken Brown is there on day one to bring us all the latest. Backflipping robots, cyber dogs and flying cars must be the Mobile World Congress where big tech comes to put on a show. Huawei, Google, IBM, big players are here, and there are some big keynote speakers too, including Xiaomi president, William Liu. He spoke to CGTN about their headline-grabbing expansion from battery-powered phones to battery-powered cars, and how it's all connected. The entire Xiaomi ecosystem is focused on personal devices such as mobile phones, tablets, and now our cars too, our new energy smart electric vehicles, and other tech throughout our homes. What we need is to connect all our devices with the power of AI capabilities so we can better serve human needs. Xiaomi plans on becoming one of the world's top five car manufacturers. So how are they going to do that in such a crowded market? They say the same way that they became the world's third largest seller of mobile phones, despite only being founded in 2010, by creating top quality products at record-breaking speeds. Xiaomi says they have 3,000 AI engineers working on one of this year's Mobile World Congress themes, connecting everything. We've also seen big announcements on 5G-A, the A stands for advanced, and the mobile industry announced more than $9 billion in investment commitments in meaningful connectivity in conjunction with the UN Digital Agency. Nokia also announced that they're slashing their net zero target by 10 years. There's a lot of excitement too around new phone launches like the Honor Magic 6 Pro, there's an intriguing London-based brand called Nothing who will launch the Nothing Phone 2A. And Motorola has a phone so flexible that you can actually wear it as a bracelet. Wearables are taking center stage too. Samsung has their smart ring here and there's talk of this setting off a wearable wave from smart necklaces to smart nose piercings. 
The future is now at the Mobile World Congress 2024, and it's only just beginning. Ken Brown, CGTN, Barcelona. The rapid rise of artificial intelligence is shaping many sectors across the world. The creative industry is just one of them, and it's already seeing the impact of AI. Even though its adoption in South Africa has been slow, creatives in the country said the technology is transforming how they work. Citizens uh, Najima Abdurizak reports. Mkhosi Interno is a seasoned creative, having been an animator for over 20 years. He knows the value of technology which transformed the art, from hand-drawn sketches to computer-generated mastery. Yet the advent of artificial intelligence has brought some uneasiness. I thought, like, I'm going to be jobless <laughs> because, I mean, computers now, we've got cell phones that can do amazing things. That's where my mind was, because I never really understood potentially what that could do for a third world country. It took us quite a bit of time, especially when you're doing uh, image generation, the process of prompting, understanding what the AI has to understand, what it must generate. That is where it's a bit tricky. After some experimenting, Ntono warmed up to the idea of the technology. His latest production is based on AI, an African tale which brings the concept to life. Calabashes is, it's, is designed for early childhood development and it's about an AI, ironically, you know, an AI that learns African behavior and then it goes through life, you know, together with their three friends. So through interacting, using the the what we call the principles of Ubuntu as to how to be part of and belong in the community. So it makes mistakes. Of course, the following day becomes a better robot. The adoption of AI has been generally slow in South Africa, but those delving into the futuristic space are already ripping the benefits. Now that people are playing with it more and incorporating it more, they're realizing that it's a great assistant, it's a great supporter, it uh, optimizes everything that you do and adds huge value. So it's really a tool of support and so now we are incorporating it into our studios a lot more than before. Africa's animation space is small in comparison to the rest of the world. However, there have been efforts to grow the industry with big names like Disney and Netflix in the fold. They say AI has the capacity to spur that growth. It's always been animation's shortfall is it takes a long time. I used to call it an elephant pregnancy. With AI, we're able to optimize that and then increase the amount of content that we're putting through the, the process. So this is what's really exciting because then more African stories can be told and made in this, in this format. AI is already making its mark in the animation and movie making industry. Not only does it bring a different level of sophistication to stories being told, it's also highlighting the possibilities that exist between robots and human creativity, especially for African animators. Najma Abdirizak, CGTN. We'll wrap up this edition of Global Business. I'm Jujifeng. Stay with us.